I'm Chris Nessie, host of Behind the Mic, Voices of the EPN, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, I recently was interviewed by Chris Nessie, the founder of EPN. EPN is the Education Podcast Network. He has a podcast called the House of Ed Tech on there, and he also has his podcast called Behind the Mic. Behind the Mic is where he interviews the other podcasters on EPN. That's right. He uh, talks to us about, uh, you know, why we made the podcast, why we stuck with it, what happened along the way, what equipment we use, what we learned that uh, from mistakes and what we learned from just by doing. And uh, it's pretty cool. And you get to hear from all of us. So uh, good stuff. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, I hope you go listen to it as well as share it with a friend. That'd be so cool. Thanks. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Amy Meislin Pollock. She was a teacher for over four decades. She's a parent, a grandparent, and she also is the author of these cool books, The Adventures of Jelly Bean and The Further Adventures of Jelly Bean, which are coming-of-age stories. <laughs> You're going to love this. Awesome stories, great characters. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening. And by the way, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stevenmaletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you do that for me? You're so cool. Enjoy the show. And it's all based on real, real life situations. And okay. I think that's why a lot of people like them, because it's how a fourth grader perceives these things. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dot Steve Maletto. Amy Meislin Pollock was a teacher for over four decades, raised three children, and loves to play with her seven grandchildren. From her own childhood to the classroom, and as a parent and grandparent, she is perfectly positioned to pen her coming-of-age book series. The Adventures of Jellybean, followed by the Further Adventures of Jellybean, first came into being when the author's fourth grade teacher used to ask her to get up in front of the class and tell the stories about the characters she would make up as she went along. Several years later, she started writing these stories down and would work on them periodically in any free time she had during her teaching career and raising her three children. Now retired from a 40-year career in teaching, Spanning a wide range of subjects and grade levels, she has embarked on a lively writing career. The silver lining of the COVID pandemic for Pollock was that she was more or less forced, after approximately 60 years, to, to finish her jelly bean books. Her books are about a young girl whose life is always changing and how she adapts to these changes. She tries to work out relationships with her friends, her parents, her older brothers, her uncle. Her parents do not want her best friend, who is of mixed race, to visit. Another friend is anorexic. One brother drops out of school, and a grandparent dies. Pollock earned a B.A. in English from Goucher College in Baltimore and received her master's in English from University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education. She was certified as a secondary education and reading specialist for grades K-12 through and earned a special education teaching degree from NYU, allowing her to teach disabled students. For six years, she was a professor of writing and a teacher in the tutoring center at Montclair State University in New Jersey. She lives in central New Jersey with her husband and their dog named Bunny. For more information, please see her website at amypollock.com. And I'll have that in the show notes when we talk about it later. So here's a little bit about the adventures of Jellybean. 
What if the start to your day was falling into the toilet, which caused you to miss your carpool, that in turn caused you to get to school late, that ultimately caused you to miss getting one of the decent parts in the upcoming Thanksgiving play? That is exactly what happens to fourth grader Jellybean on the day we first met her. Things only go downhill from there, and no one at home seems to have much time for her, except Roger Over, her beloved dog. Here's a little bit about the further adventures of Jellybean. Jellybean, in the continuation of her adventures as she seeks solutions to the challenges that confronted her in Book 1, Michael, her oldest brother, has dropped out of school and joined the Marines, which usurps much of her parents' attention. Kylie, the new girl in school, faces a medical emergency, and Jellybean is still forbidden from going to her best friend's house. She has to decide how to deal with these dilemmas and more. Along the way, she learns about love, death, pain, relationships, the difference between right and wrong, and the value of friendship. See the world through the eyes of this forthright fourth grader as she discovers two truths about life, that it is always complicated and always changing. Amy, thanks so much for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, all right, you know, this is my podcast is Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. So you had a 40-year mm-hmm. career in teaching. What did you like yes. most about working with the children you taught? I really, really enjoyed of the kids. I really did. I always um, tried to, I had such a motley crew, especially (laughs) when I taught special ed high school. That was kind of crazy. I wrote a whole article on that. And I did always try to relate to them however and wherever possible. And I think even the most difficult ones appreciated that i like that and anyone in teaching will tell you this all the paperwork and i I don't mean the correcting because when i taught college writing that was uh very um labor intensive let's say but so often now just the record keeping and the well for the lower grades not the college kids but having to be in touch with the parents and having to feel their concerns was quite time consuming. And uh, I would say that was the least fun, not fun, but least wonderful aspect of teaching. And I did like when love, when the kids quote unquote, got something, understood something that I was trying to get across. That's always, always a great feeling. Oh, that is. That's the coolest thing ever is when uh, they suddenly get something and light bulbs go mm-hmm. off. And yeah, and one of the things I, I've always liked about working with kids is that you just never know what's going to go on. <laughs> no, I know. It's so true. It's so true. It's just funny. Because now I, I know. Now I give presentations <clears throat> about my books to a lot of the um, to fourth and fifth grade classrooms. And I do a lot of that. And I just. You know, the child's the father of the man. I, I always learn so much from the students. I always generally read something, have them write their predictions or suggestions for me, which are often wonderful. And then, of course, there's always the one who raised their hand. I'm tired. I'm like, yeah, I am too. I, <laughs> I get, you know, they're always, like you say, always expect the unexpected, which is what what makes life fun? Same with my grandchildren. They're always <laughs> something interesting going on. Nice, nice, nice. There's, uh, I'll never forget. I was a, 
a, a, a history teacher in uh, high school, and uh, uh-huh. and there's this one day. There's lots of things that go on, but I'll just never forget this one day where there's a young lady, and when she asks a question, you know, it's like that old E.F. Hutton commercial, all ears opened and listened because she always had something good to say. And as a teacher, I was always like, yes, we're going to have all this help getting right on the subject and all this stuff. And instead, what she said to me was this. Uh, she said, uh, Mr. Mileto, uh, did no one ever tell you that dots don't go with stripes? I must. I was wearing a polka dotted tie with a striped shirt. And uh, I, I just looked at her and said, uh, do, do you know me to have style? I have my own style. I just, <laughs> just said, yeah, I think I you got a point. <laughs> telling you you're you're so right they're always uh, i know i had one special ed class and this was a school a high school that was not air conditioned i don't i pretty sure i don't know whether or not it i know when i got to teaching in college and i any questions after my she said i had the job i said oh just tell me is it air conditioned and she looked at me like what uh yes anyway these kids would come in last period from gym in the hottest time of the year, sometimes I thought I was going to die. And this one kid would always yell out, you're a bad teacher. And, you know, they were special ed kids. They had, you know, different things going on. And then at the end of the year, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't have even planted someone like He said, you know, you're old fashioned, but you're a really good teacher. Nice. And I was like, wow, that is high praise. <laughs> nice, very nice. From that's, someone telling me how bad I was all year long. <laughs> that's, that's wild. That's awesome. <laughs> they, I know. Uh, I know. It just, you just never know. That's what's so cool. It, I, it's so true. Yeah. So, so I got a question. If you had the chance to go back to the day before your first day as a teacher, mm. what advice would you give you before stepping into that classroom? That's so interesting i would have to say and that was we're going back to 1974 where i was teaching high school i swear i think i was 21 and some of the kids were 18 i swear (laughs) i think several in the class were pregnant and i would just say because what did i know at that time at that age and just beginning nothing i would say just and i say this to my students now be bold because it took me so long you know, at the beginning, you're kind of timid. You don't want to do something wrong. I'm speaking for myself and most people I know, beginning teachers. And um, aside from learn whatever you're going to have to teach, because at some points I did have to teach math and science, which were not my strong suits. And I was a baby step ahead of those kids, but I had to do it because that's what I was assigned to. And it was all a learning experience. <laughs> but it took me a long time to learn. Now I had to be, now I'm 70. So I want to say I was in my early fifties when I got my job at teaching English to the freshmen at Montclair state, which is a college near here. And it's a small school, but it, you know, has a pretty good reputation. And my supervisor started out by saying to me, no, you're not what we want. You're no, you don't have the right background and on and on and on and on. And finally I, I said, and I would never have known this originally, but you have to do these things. I said, I can be whatever you want me to be. And I, and I meant it. And I've turned out to be like her favorite teacher, but (laughs) took me a long time to learn that. So that's a really interesting question. Nice. The, uh, you know, it is, it's something that, uh, I think about all the time because this is, uh, I, even though I'm not a, teacher any longer i uh mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. do classes and work with leaders and and with teachers and stuff like this and uh, with a team uh-huh. that we do stuff and and this is my 37th year in in uh, mm. public wow. education and it in the state of Georgia and it and what's funny is that I think back to those days even though sometimes it feels like it wasn't that long ago um, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's I just think about the different things that like like if you change that question a little bit, what if you could take something back with you, you know, and I, oh, what would you mm. take back with you? And then, and, and, or, you know, what would you tell you is, is just since I just think about that a lot. What, you know, cause one of the things I would do is just tell myself that, uh, you know, have patience <laughs> and, uh, oh, keep that sense right. of humor and, uh, and, uh, go with, <laughs> go with the flow. If you can go with the flow, you're going to be good. So, <laughs> oh, it's so exactly right. Yes. Uh, and I do, I do have that kind of thing in my adventures of jelly bean and further adventures of jelly bean where, and everyone goes through this. Most people, Oh, why did I say that? Or, Oh my God, that was so stupid. Or, Oh, if I had it to do over once my daughter, when she was little said younger said to me, now she's my youngest, she's 38 said, Oh, I wish I could just press delete. Like, don't we all? Yes, yes. Yeah, truest feeling. I I think that's probably one of the best advice things that you could tell yourself is that, you know, sometimes you're going to make a mistake. It's not the end of the world. Of course. And just Definitely. correct it and move or, on. <laughs> no, true. Or I would say to my non-college-bound kids, which is how I got the idea or some of the ideas for her older oldest brother, and, uh, okay, college, not for everyone, and that's okay. And the kids would sometimes say when, you know, because I had to get them prepared for that, you know, the college entrance test, and that was so, so stressful for a lot of the kids. Well, however, they were on the, um, on the scale, let let's say. And I would say, you know what? It's a big world out there. And I actually, and a lot of the other teachers thought I was nuts, but I took that particular class, not my non-college bound kids to my husband's office one day. He worked at a big law firm in New York City. Underground, I don't know how much has changed by this point, but um, there was a whole like other city. It was security, it was audiovisual, it was, um, I'm trying to think what else, all the other ancillary parts of the firm. And I, And even my husband's secretary, who was of color and she could relate to a lot of the kids said, if you show up, if you have a smile, if you get there on time, if you're, you know, looking presentable, you could do, you can do this and you can rise to a supervisor position. And I don't know what really didn't follow up. Don't know what happened to these kids, but if they had gotten any one of those kind of jobs, they could have gotten um, benefits, health insurance and so forth, which would have been a big, big deal. Right. Very nice. And they all said it was the best day of their lives. Oh, cool. Very cool. Mm. You just never know what uh, some of those types of visits can do to change some thoughts about what what the future is going to be, I guess. Right. Exactly. So important. Very much so. So, all right. So let's talk about your books. So what inspired you to write The Adventures of Jelly Bean? I mean, lots of us have ideas, but they never get any further than an idea. I know. And I was in that category for a long time. So what happened was, huh, and I always talk to the, when I go in to give my um, presentations, I talk to them about procrastination. 
which I am so guilty of. Obviously, it took me this long to <laughs> to write my books. And okay, I can say I was busy. I was in school. I was working. I was raising three children. I babysit a lot for my grandchildren. I was helping out. And my parents are long gone. I was helping out with sick parents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, if you do have an idea, speaking for myself, and I'm from a family of writers, you just have to start writing. And your ideas will come. Even at, like my dad would say, just move your hand across the page. Even if you're writing I, 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 and you write down your thoughts or you, um, how you weave your idea. I just write what comes. I'm not very good at outlining. <laughs> I know that was one of the questions and one of your questions, such a good <laughs> question. And I'm, I'm in the more do as I say, not as I do category in that regard. I like that. I think. <laughs> You know, I think, and I read a lot of books on it, and I try hard. It's just sort of not how I'm wired. I just, my characters tell me what they want me or need me to do. I like that. That's cool. That's, because uh, it's, uh, Thanks. it's, it, well, it's, I, we're all a little different that way, and I think that's cool that that's what you do, and especially that, that you can say that's what you do, too. So it's like, let's see where we go today. So I like that. That's, that's nice. Yeah. I, so, Thanks. so where'd the characters come from? I mean, uh, how'd you create them? Was it, was there already had like one in mind, like one, um, was a grandchild yes. or you or something like that? Or, Oh no, my grandchildren weren't born at that point when Jellybean was. So what had happened was, all right, as you said, first, when I was in fourth grade and my teacher would call me up to the front of the class and just, I would tell these stories about this little girl when I was in fourth grade, so that's where she originated, off the top of my head, because I was always good at making up stories. Nice. A lot of things I'm not very good at, good at, but that I can do. And then she morphed into me, and she had three older brothers. Had the oldest in, in, okay. in my family, so it didn't it wasn't pertinent to me, but obviously she was my daughter, so I would see how she would get teased a lot of times, like Joey Bean in my book and my stories, how they wouldn't take seriously what she said or laugh at her or just, you know, gang up on her. Now they're all close, thankfully, but she did fall into that role, and that informed a lot of my book. And then it was also based, uh, uh, that was mainly, and now that I have grandchildren and my um well she's 13 now i guess she was 10 and 11 at the time when i was writing it my oldest granddaughter would help me with certain situations like oh don't put that or yeah that would be good or why not have her do that like when she does tries football and i i remember saying really like okay she goes it's flag for the girls i'm like okay sure i'll have her try it and then like my daughter she didn't want to do a lot of things but that was realistic oh and sometimes when you say what things you might have wanted to do over i did force her to do a lot of these things such as different sports she liked the cheerleading but some of the others she could have passed and i was forced her to do them and now i think i don't know would i've done the same being a grandparent now i don't know <laughs> maybe not nice the uh you know it's it is cool because your your characters seem very real and they uh, yeah. that's why i was curious especially because like there's a lot of things they going are. A lot of things going on in their lives, and it's like, uh, you know, I, 
everything from a friend who has, uh, you know, I, whether, whatever the situation that people have, I mean, you, you know, parents who are no longer together, parent has um, new special friend <laughs> that, you know, yeah. might get married one it day or something. happens a lot. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And the, the, Definitely. Str- the, the stresses that that puts on a kid and stuff like that, because it's not oh, that, yeah. not that it's not something that doesn't happen in life, because it does. And that's what, that's what I thought was interesting is that, uh, you know, as, you, as the kids deal with this type of stuff and, you know, and it, and I think some, and I, I think that's one of the cool things that you've gotten into is feels like uh, kids dealing with the stuff that, that happens around them. So. Yes. It's so exactly true. They are all real life situations. All. I remember when one of my sons was, a lot of them were, thank God it didn't progress too far. Now he's a very, has three of his own kids and a wonderful job and so forth. But for a while there, he did some drugs and some alcohol and that's a big problem for a family and it's so prevalent. So there's that. Then the anorexia, which I know many cases of, and that's a very, very tricky one to deal with. And then her, it sort of became a lot of the crux of my book, Further Adventures of Jelly Bean, when her parents, it's such a trick, a sticky wicket. Don't, they let this girl come over, who she, Jelly Bean loves. She's her favorite friend. They won't let her go there because there are elements of danger in her home. There are. But how do you explain that to a fourth grader who, it's her good friend. It's her most loyal, wonderful, terrific friend. But she has a household that could contain some danger and the parents aren't around a lot because they can't be. And yeah, she has another friend whose parents are getting divorced. And, you know, that's obviously a very, for many reasons, common situation, and uh, lots of other true-to-life um, situations. And it's all based on real, real-life situations. And well, I think that's why a lot of people like them, because it's how a fourth grader perceives these things. And in my, I'm trying to think, because my book three my clever title, but not really still further adventures of jelly. Bean. They are, my publisher is interested in publishing. And in that, um, she does have a friend whose parent dies, which is, it's tough. And her mother makes her go over there. She doesn't right. want to, you know, confront a lot of these things. Yeah. It's, and that's what it makes feel real. Like I said, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on and seeing it through the eyes of a fourth grader. And, you know, it's, it's something that uh, you know. It's 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 some rough stuff, you know. Even though you can it is, it kids recover through it all, it's just that it's still. I mean, especially when you know, I used, I used to tell uh, um, people because those age brackets right there. I had uh, um, let's, let's just put it this way: I had I had a I have several former used to be <laughs> step families. All right, so multiple okay. ones. All right, if that helps. <laughs> and yeah, got it. Uh, Got it. And uh, so what's funny, though, is that there are different times in my life where I had multiple grandparents. Uh, until, you know, these people who were, I, I mean, I had extended grandparents. And it was awesome because uh, mm-hmm. they loved having uh, new young children in the house and stuff like this. Of and so, and yes. it was And it was a blast. And then, then lost those extended 
grandparents, but they like staying in touch with us anyway. So then I actually okay. you know, expanded it even further. So yeah, there's yeah. Uh, um, there were some benefits to that. <laughs> yeah, and for real life situations, you do not have to look far. I mean, because a lot of people will say, "Where do you get your ideas?" Oh my God, you're in line at the stupid market. You're sitting in a restaurant, and if you have any type of imagination, or if you're interested in writing, or you're just interested in life. Once I was sitting with my sister in a restaurant and I heard this woman behind us saying, so, you know, it wasn't working out and they got divorced because she was just so, so, so trigger happy. I was like, that's about the last thing you'd be expecting anyone to say as an adjective there. But you could just make a whole story around that if you're inclined. Sure could. Gosh, yeah, that's uh, a yeah. nice. I, I like that. That's a good way of getting characters and thoughts for your stories. It's just uh, oh my god, listening to people—they're all around. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or look at the newspaper. Right, right. You nice. Know, there's plenty there. You got that right. All right. So, uh, could you talk about why coming of age stories are needed for children? I mean, what? Why do you think it's good that you have some stories like this where they get to see characters that might be like them having to deal with stuff? And how they grow. So in my Adventures of Jellybean and further Adventures of Jellybean, I have a lot of situations where kids might be confronted with, but they might not really. Sometimes it's hard to have a segue to speaking about these kinds of things with your kids. Like if you do have anorexia, in um, not you, in one's background or that your child is confronted with or dealing with that or a brother who goes and joins the Marine instead, Marines instead of finishing high school and the parents are very consumed with that. These various situations that come up in my book, say a parent is reading these to your um, their child, or discussing it with their child. It's a good lead in to have a discussion about these things that are, that are kind of tricky. Sometimes they have a friend who's heading into drugs or has that issue in their family Um, or even just not getting along with a family member. And that's, can be a little tricky. I know with my younger son, and this comes up in my on my website, uh, which my um, publicity person guiding me into writing, and which I helped a lot of the parents of the students I taught with this kind of thing. I have a lot of advice, and this comes up back to my book. Comes up in um, how to approach these things. It's a good lead-in. Like, wow, what would you do if that were the case? saying let's say to a to a child reading it or being read to and it's a good way to crisscross ideas like well what about this and could you try this and can lead into some even if not a total solution but to something a step on the road to dealing with something like you're saying i like that that's a it's really good because that's one of those things that, uh, you know, especially when, you know, they, they may be getting thoughts. I mean, it, uh, just the idea of a parent reading this to to their child where they could actually bring up something. <laughs> and, uh, right. You know, it's just hard. 
Yeah, it's it it is hard because there's uh, just different things that uh, you know. Um, have, I have my own experience. Not not me talking to my kids. It was the other you know mm-hmm. when I was a kid having the conversations about what's getting ready to happen in the family. And those are kind of awkward moments, but that's, I could say that for yes. another time. So I always, always, yeah, I can always imagine what, what uh, the lead up to those conversations were the, uh, you know, Oh gosh. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, let's talk about this. I mean, one of the things you deal with is friendship and stuff like this in your books. Oh, I mean, my God. do you so think, hard. That, do you think that some kids need help making friends and dealing with issues of popularity? Mm. I would say, I'm going to say most kids really do. From my experience raising my children and now with my grandchildren and having been in all these various schools, it's so tricky because especially with issues of popularity, you want to guide your kids and help them, but you're not right on scene with them. So as much as they're willing or able to talk to you about with how much are you going to do to maintain a friendship with X and such? Do you want to be out all night long when they get a little older? Do you, is it important for you to go along with the crowd? And that's where jelly bean comes in because I make her. And I guess this is why in my one, not my Kirkus review, my U S review, I was, kind of happily surprised when the reviewer said she's a role model. And I was like, wow, I wasn't realizing that, but I guess so because she's her own person. And I will also say it's related to a lot of other books that I've taught, such as Shakespeare. When I did it with my lower level classes, and there are a lot of less, well, why do you think he's so popular for <laughs> however all these years? But I would say in Macbeth, what would you do for someone you are in a relationship with? Would you lie? Would you steal? Would you kill? You know, and on a different level, how far would you go to be popular or to be in with these particular kids? And it's very tricky, and kids need so much guidance with that. Very hard. As my one friend said, life revolves around what gets said at the lunch table, and that is the truth. Very much so. Very much so. And uh, it, uh, just navigating it all, because it, it, no matter how hard you try, there's never something. <laughs> there's there's always some dangerous path that does, that you weren't expecting because of something you said or something you did. Or, oh, you know, my it's, God. So true. Yeah. So it's uh, it's just, just a sad thing. I mean, I, I'm only laughing because experience a bunch of that stuff, you know, like because uh, you're talking to the kid who couldn't get his potato chip bag open, and of course it's splewed mm. all over the place when it when it oh. finally got open, and it's like, uh, and then uh, you're the potato chip kid, so you know. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's like, so nice. so it's traumatic. Very much so. It really is going through childhood and <laughs> young adulthood. You got that right. I, do you have? some advice for parents when they have strong disagreements with their children. I mean, cause that's another thing that happens is we have these disagreements and I think some people so it's traumatic to so the hard. adult more than it is to the kid. And they don't realize that. So true. Well, I will say that not to give the, I don't even know if this book is still in print, but with my one son, we had so many disagreements, especially in those teenage years, which are brutal for a parent and from the kid's point of view also. And we weren't having the best time communicating. Let's put it like that. 
And at those ages, even when my kids, you know, have issues with their little ones, oh, she won't do this, she won't eat. And well, I feel like saying, oh God, wait till they're teenagers. But what this one particular book, I don't even know if it's still in print, but I'll give it a plug anyway. It's by two women. And I read all the books at that time. I said, all right, it's either this, I'm going to find, now you'd go online, but back then that wasn't around. It's a book called, generic title, Positive Discipline for Your Teenager. And it's by two women, Lott and Nelson, L-O-T-T and L-E-S-O-N. I got so, some of the books were too lenient for me. Some were too strict. They just didn't speak to me. Maybe they'd be good for somebody else. But among the suggestions, and I did kind of copy a little bit in my suggestions, my 15 suggestions, which are on my website, amypollock.com. One is if you want your child to talk to you, the, uh, if you switch around the letters in silent, I'm sorry, in listen, you will get silent. This is the hardest thing. When you want to scream at them or you want to, you have something you want to impart to them, you have to be silent. And I really tried this and it really worked. Say they're getting a snack or whatever. You go into the kitchen, empty the dishwasher, whatever, make like you're busy, grade papers if you're a teacher. And eventually they will say something. They will start talking to you. And that can lead in, you can't be overly forceful, but at least as a teenager, you've gotten the conversation, the communication going. They might talk about something. Oh, I remember my one son. I, there was so much I wanted to talk to him about. Like, I can't have you going out on weeknights. I need you to sit down and finish your homework. And he was a very bright kid, but didn't feel like doing what he was supposed to do. And what did he finally start talking me, to me about when I was silent? Oh, the kids in my band, they're not, you should see what they come dressed at. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but you have to go with it. And then you say something to the effect of, I just listened to you. Now, can I ask you to please listen to me? No, I don't want to. Okay. Can you give me a time when we could go out and talk about some things? And you work at it. There's a lot of back and forth, but eventually it'll, it'll pay off. Better than slamming the door and all that jazz. Much better. So good stuff. I, I like that advice. So good like it I, not easy no not easy at all not especially <laughs> uh especially when uh you know there's any number of things that uh you know it, it, that could happen that could you know set you off like rolling of eyes or it's just you uh, know smirking oh or my God. You know, something I like know. that you know, so. i know but I, I like and what... that does happen a lot in my books <laughs> needless to say because it's all part of it that it is that it <sighs> is i love it the uh all right, so let's talk about how grandparents and parents can help kids navigate the problems of growing up. What What do you think? I mean, especially let's let's talk about grandparents here for just a minute. Well, I would have to say, of course, I have to make the grandmother a big hero in my story. I'm gonna have to, of course. But of I course. think that's another reason why my adventures of jelly bean and further adventures of jelly bean and and what's coming out still further adventures of jelly bean. Why a lot of people respond to them. I do represent all the generations. I really do. And in the part where, oh, spoiler alert, 
I guess it's okay to say what happens in my books. If you're going to read them, it's as I tell my kids, it's all in the how and see what you think. There you go. She sneaks to go to her friend's house, Jelly Bean. All right. Not a parent's favorite scenario. <laughs> but when I had said to my daughter, what would you do? As if I didn't know the answer. <laughs> if I didn't allow you to go to, to someone's house. Two seconds. She answered. That's easy. I'd sneak. I'm like, <laughs> All right, I've got to put that in there. Nice. So when her mother picks her up, very unhappy, and oh, I'm going to get emotional because this is in a real-life scenario. The grandma who's in the car has – because her husband has just died, which is what happened in my family. But she calms down the mother and says to her, she just needed to go. She just wanted to go visit her friend. Like, I want you to understand that. But it has to often come. And my grandmother, well, I love both my grandmothers very much. But my one was such a calm person. And a lot of my characters are based on people from my real life experience. Like the dad is such a great guy. Like my dad, I miss him all the time. And my mom, but she was a little bit more volatile, often with reason. But the grandma is the one from her perspective who calms everyone down and says, listen, we're going to deal with this. I guess that's what part of the reason why my books are popular. Cause it does have all the generations in there. Oh, that's awesome. Cause that's, you know, that's something that, uh, and I think that is a great thing to show because I, I think some families need reinforcement. This is the way to do it. I know. And, uh, You're so right. Cause it's, it's, so, it's so important. I had, I had, uh, you know, it, my grandfathers were nuts. They were fun. All right. And I hung mm -hmm. out with them and, uh, and this is not at the same time. Obviously they lived in different parts of the world, but, uh, right, when, when right. I was with them, I hung out with them and did different things with them. And they were, yeah. and they were, they, they could get into trouble in a heartbeat <laughs> and right. I, and I'd be right there <laughs> with them. And, oh, yeah. and it, usually they're getting fun. in trouble because they were showing me how to do something that their wives did not appreciate them showing me how to do. And I'm sure. Everything from <laughs> climbing up a, a, a little antenna on the side of the house so I could get on top of the roof to, oh, you know, boy. to just, uh, you know, yes, <laughs> to uh, figuring out uh, messing with spices and adding these spices into this concoction and uh, and thinking I was cooking. Um, although it, was, it wasn't bad, but it was my grandfather's cooking that was doing it. And, but, uh, you know, it was just, it, you know, just good stuff that uh, we just hung out and did things together. And, uh, you know, and it's... Careful, that could end up in some of my further stories. That's all right. That's all right. That's good stuff. The, uh, you know, it's it, my... Uh, Agree. I, I have the one grandfather, he uh, he had all these friends and he'd go visit them. So when he and um, his, uh, and my grandmother would get in, his wife would get into... Yeah, you know, disagreements about this, that, or the other, and he's supposed to run on an errand. They would switch to Italian and they'd start talking, and I would not understand right. it. And uh, you know, and, it's, and so they'd switch that, and and then eventually it, it would all end with this. Yeah, and he and he'd go, "Come on, Steve, let's go." And so we'd go, and he'd always try to make up for it, so that after we visited Aww. his friends on the way home, he would make sure he stopped and bought something. All right, now <laughs> usually it was you know he. I, I don't understand. If he only asked me, I could tell him, I say, you know, what you're doing, mean, you're mean well, but it's going to get you in trouble. And like <laughs> my favorite one was he had a good friend who was a, was worked in the fruits and veggies department at some massive 
um, type of uh, setup. And and so he Uh-oh. stopped by there and he bought a flat of blueberries. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yes. And so we go we go to his we go back home and he's like, hey, and they they're chit chatting. And next thing I know, is I hear switching to Italian. Hey, yeah, yeah. It's all this it's all this stuff about oh. the flat of blueberries. And basically, what am I going to do with a flat of blueberries? And uh, oh god, um, so that is so funny. That was hilarious. And my, you know, my other one, he yeah. just, he's the one who's, he's, he's teaching me how to get on the roof and stuff like this. And, you know, oh, and, boy. which and led me to climbing trees. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, oh. it was good. But it uh, led me to climbing trees and all kinds of other stuff. And, but uh, oh. it was all good fun. But I, I think where I go, the only reason why I share these stories is because mm-hmm. like what you're talking about with the characters that I think a lot of times this is missing <laughs> sometimes in these type of relationships. So. You're so right. And otherwise, why live? Right. You know, because people have asked me, is there humor in my stories? Well, there better be, especially <laughs> in today's world. Yes. Oh, my God. It yes. would be a very stark and sordid place if it weren't for, like you say, those humorous incidents, which, you know, you really you really remember from your childhood. It just what's well, made it fun and worthwhile. Most definitely, most definitely. They, uh, you just never knew what was going to happen. My, I know. Yeah, you, know, you just those those things that happen and work out, and and I think you just learned some lessons from them. I mean, it's you know my oh totally. You know, it's, you, you think about how you had everything from going fishing with each other to uh, and you know solving the world's problems to to uh, doing things like uh, my my one grandfather had he was a manager of a drive-in. Uh huh. And he'd been a tanker in World War II. And when he came out, he oh, wow. kind of had different things that he did. He ran theaters and stuff like this. And he, oh, wow. he ran a, uh, a couple drive-ins at one point when he was in Florida. And uh, the, uh-huh. the drive-in, what was awesome about it was he liked to have big, giant displays that would be for certain types of movies and stuff like this. So it, Right, uh-oh. Yeah, so I, I go into this storage room to get something for him. And there's this giant, giant, like nine foot Frankenstein monster that's oh scared God. the crud of me. He still appears in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. could believe that. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Because just last night I was coloring with my grandson and he was, you know, they love like those Frankenstein type things. But yes. now it's like Darth Vader and I forget <laughs> the most recent name. And he's like, here, can you put this picture in your book, next book? And I'm like, it's going to scare everyone to death. I said, oh, I'll make it in her dream. He said, yes. I said, but she's going to wake up and be really scared. Because like you're stay- saying, that's what kind of resonates. It does. It does. It, yeah, that's so interesting. Funny stuff. Those Good. Big, yeah, those big movie posters. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, uh, the, you know, just never know. <laughs> and he used to keep all kinds of stuff like that. There were you know, just any number of things. But the the one of the neatest things I remember about that was helping him out in the ticket booth. And I would, oh. I was the kid who'd be handing out the doggy treats um, for people who Aww. came to the drive through with the, with dogs in the, in the car with them. <laughs> oh my God. My husband would love that. He is a huge dog lover. Nice. Oh my God. <laughs> nice. So she is an important, yeah. And that was interesting with another per- speaking of dogs, what another reviewer, I think that, Kirkus person said, and Roger Over is the hero of the story. I'm like, okay, because she <laughs> does. Like a dog will give you love and sympathy, right? Regardless, right? Very you nice. might have 
shoot her out the second before, but they do love you unconditionally. But that's so interesting. They really do. They... Give them the treats. Yeah. Well, that was fun. I like that. <laughs> the uh, uh, good stuff. So, so what are some of the discussions you hope parents will pursue as a result of of Jelly Bean reading Jelly Bean? I would have to say. After reading My Adventures of Jellybean and Further Adventures of Jellybean, and next is um, My Still Further Adventures of Jellybean, I think a lot of the discussions would center around friendship and the importance of, well, especially these days, getting along in this world and not hating somebody on account of their differences to you. And I just feel like it could open a lot of this type of discussion just to make it a better world. She doesn't get along jelly bean with her one brother, which happens, you know, this is the one closest in age to her. And the grandmother says, which I say to my kids sometimes, you know, you're going to need each other one day. And she's, you know, the eye roll and all that. (laughs) But I just think a lot of discussions along those lines about, well, back to the popularity issue, what you want to do for a real friendship, which is kind of tough to find, and what is really not so important. If everyone's doing such and such, trying a new drug, trying something. Like once my daughter said, oh, we tried all the alcohol in some friend's closet. I think she was in sixth grade. I said, oh, oh that's God. wonderful. And nice. how would you feel after? Well, we all threw up. I'm like, oh, nice. okay, that's wonderful. So, you know, that can lead to that type of discussion because it's all a lot of those type of situations are in there. The getting along business and the, what do I want to say, Ex- experimentation and what's, I would always say to my students, okay, when I taught college and I'm trying to think what book we were doing, it's important to think for yourself. Um, Some of the children had parents or grandparents, I'd say, and I don't want to go against your church that were against, let's say, certain type of relationships. I'll put it like that. But I'll say, if you have a friend who's X and such, Think for yourself with how you want to deal with that person. Important. So important. Good lessons. I mean, this is what's cool about your jelly bean books. We got uh, oh. just uh, being able to deal with life, thoughts about life and such. So good stuff. Yeah, right? all the aspects. Yep. Thank you. So uh, I don't know why. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, go no, ahead. go right ahead. Go right ahead. All I was going to add is that, and I don't know why I made it this way, but as I said, certain things just occurred to me as I went along. Her parents are two different religions. And Jellybean says to her grandmother, well, here comes grandmother again. Well, what did you think when dad was the wrong religion? And her grandmother says, he wasn't the wrong religion. He's a different religion. And he's a wonderful person. And we always loved him. And that's sort of how I would, would be somewhat of a guide, let's say, if you're looking at it that way, with any luck. Gotcha. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. Uh, you know, Amy, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and or learn more, where would you send them? So they can definitely go on my website to see a lot of information about me and my books. 
it's amypollock.com. And, um, and my email is ampollock, P-O-L-L-A-C-K, 111 at Gmail. So that would be okay. Nice. I'll make sure that information's in the show notes so it's easy for him to find. And I have one last question for you, and it's just a question I like to ask my guests. And it goes like this. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if oh. given the chance to say thank you? You know, I'm sure they're probably not around anymore, but I did love my fourth grade teacher, the one who let me get up and encouraged me to get up in front of the class. Her name was Mrs. Trenum, and she was wonderful. And we you know, they used to teach geography, which I don't think they really teach anymore. <laughs> right. And Mr. Fortunato, and he was amazing. And I, he was in seventh grade, which for me was a gazillion years ago. But I learned so much from him. I had some teachers I don't like so much. But, um, yeah, my dad would always say, no matter where you are, you're just lucky if you get a good teacher. And that is the truth. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I do agree. I bet you're a great teacher, Steve. Oh, too kind, but uh, had a blast. Had a blast doing it, and I, had, I have some. Yeah, I think the kids did too. But that that was my goal: overcome some of the ones that I had. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Uh, oh, and I do give presentations. I travel uh, around nice. different places for fourth and fifth graders primarily. Very. That's cool. a lot of fun. That that is fun. It's just, yeah, I, I, I like, like that. Nice. Well, cool stuff. I, Amy, thank you so much for talking with me about your books, The Adventures of Jelly Bean and The Further Adventures of Jelly Bean. I love the focus, great characters, excellent stories, and I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Oh, you too. Thank you so much, Steve. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.